Good morning, everybody. Good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in this world. We have listeners from all over. I am Dr. Eeks, your host of Causes or Cures, a health, public health and wellness podcast. How are you guys doing? Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you're doing okay. It's been tough, right? It's been really tough through the pandemic. Um, people, anxiety, depression is increasing. We gained weight. I just read that study the other day because probably because you know, we're cooped up at home and then when you're depressed and you, you eat, you eat your ice cream, your pizza, whatever. I've been there, I get it. Um, I think though, I think we really need to start working out our imaginations more. Uh, you know, we have like leg day, arm day, ab day. And people are like, what are you working out today? If you're at the gym and you're like, oh, my abs or back and chest. I think we should just say imagination one day. Like, yeah, it's imagination day. Really? Wow. Yeah, I'm going to do 10 reps of thinking outside the box. Like, I don't know, just something creative. <laughs> 10 reps of pretending I'm an alien and just... Uh, landed in New York City, what would I do? Um, okay, I know that might sound a little crazy, and this is a odd intro to a serious topic, which I'll get to in a second, but it is true that we need a little more playfulness and imagination and creativity, and it would help us cope more, you know? We shouldn't let that die when recess ends. Recess should continue on. Um, Okay, I digress. You know, I always do that every podcast. What are we talking about today? Well, today's topic would make a really good sci-fi movie. Although, since it could really happen, maybe not so much fiction. Non-fiction. So, what would you call that? Sci-non-fi? <laughs> is that a thing? Sci-non-fi? Um, I have to Google it if it is. I, I don't know if it is or not. <clears throat> Okay, we are going to talk about measles. You know, I've done uh, recently a podcast on um, how a woman came on. She lived in an Orthodox community, religious community, and she talked about what happened. They had a measles outbreak when their vaccination rates dropped. And she talked about that and, you know, how she talked to different people in her community who thought differently than her. This is a different aspect of measles that we're talking about. Um, but there has been, there has been an increase in measles outbreaks all over the globe for the last few years for a variety of reasons. But we're going to talk today about how measles can wipe out your immunity to other diseases. Yeah, erase your immune memory. Imagine that. It's something called immune amnesia. And it's really interesting to consider this because... People think when you recover from measles or any viral illness, really, your immune system is stronger because it picks up, you know, it learned how to respond to that disease and now you have protection inside of you. But that's not the case with immune amnesia. Immune amnesia can actually wipe out those, those protective cells that you have to other viruses. It's crazy, right? We don't really talk about this a lot at all. Um, so that's what we're going to talk about today. Recently, Dr. Guillermo Berrios Morales published a study in the Journal of the Royal Society Interface where he modeled a scenario like this, basically where you have immune amnesia in the population from people who had measles 
on top of another infectious disease epidemic. So for example, how you would have immune amnesia after measles along with COVID-19. So the question became, and this is what he researched, what would happen to immunity to the other disease? Could you get herd immunity? Could immune amnesia from measles affect herd immunity to other diseases? Would it wipe it out? How susceptible would the population become? So this is a really cool topic. He's a physicist um, and he's gonna talk about the model that he made, the assumptions that they made, and he's gonna take a deeper dive into immune amnesia, what we currently know about it, what we don't know about it, what what is what does the evidence say about it? Um, it's not something that we we really talk about. So that said, let's connect with Dr. Berrios Morales and learn more about this psi non phi <laughs> psi scenario. Okay, guys, here we go. All right, guys, on the line we have Dr. Guillermo Berrios Morales. Thank you for joining in uh, to this episode of Causes or Cures. Thank you for inviting me, Erin. Absolutely. Um, So we're going to talk about, for our listeners out there, the topic is going to be something called immune amnesia as it relates to measles, um, which really no one ever talks about. Um, But I found it really interesting. I, I read Guillermo's paper I didn't understand all of it. I'll be first to admit that the the modeling stuff, especially, I was like, yeah, I'm not going to get that. Um, But uh, anyhow, can you start out first by telling us a little bit about you and the work you do? Yes. So I'm a physicist. I'm doing my PhD at the University of Granada, although I actually started uh, studying biochemistry. And I think that tells a lot about like the kind of things I like. I've always been interested in the interface between physics and biology, especially trying to get into the biological problems, but with a more theoretical perspective, so to speak. So right now I'm actually suffering the cold of New York. <laughs> I'm here with a, with a Fulbright <laughs> scholarship and nice. I'm working at uh, IBM. So still working towards my PhD in a field called physics of complex systems, which is basically a fancy word to say that we study systems that are composed of like many elements that interact within each other. And it's this interaction that give rise to some sort of like collective phenomenon. So just like to explain it a little bit, to take an example uh, as the brain, we all know how the how the neuron works, right? We understand perfectly when it should spike, the morphology, like everything around the neuron, we understand it perfectly. But then it's the interaction between all these neurons that make something like the brain and make conscious emerge and these type of things. The funny part is that studying physics of complex system lets you study the brain, for example, but you can also use the same kind of like mathematical tools to understand how people interact within within a population on how, for example, a virus is spread through this population because it spreads because of the interaction between people, right? So that's that's sort of my scope in the in the PhD, just going from one field to another field, trying to understand like collective interactions and these kind of things. Wow. So you're <laughs> um, you're working at IBM in the city in addition 
to doing all this? Yes, I mean, I work in a, in a research center. So basically my working is doing these things. <laughs> ah, okay, okay. Well, that's, yeah. that's, well, that's cool. Not many people get to combine their interests with their work um, every, every day. Um, yeah. <laughs> or like, not exactly anyways. Yeah, can't complain. Um, so let's talk about your current paper um, and when most people think of measles, they get a lot of different pictures in their head. They might think about vaccination. Um, mm -hmm. They might think about the rash, but mm -hmm. nobody really ever talks about immune amnesia. Like you never hear that. Like, oh yeah, measles. Oh yeah, immune amnesia. Right? Like it's just yeah. <laughs> it's not. Um, it's not something people commonly talk about. So, can you first start out by telling us what that is? Yes, of course. So, I mean, basically to understand immune amnesia, we need to understand how the immune system works, at least like vaguely. I mean, probably after two years of pandemic, we all kind of know how this, <laughs> how this works. So we all know that if we get infected with COVID or body fight against COVID, and then if we are lucky enough, in most cases, we are gonna develop uh, memory cells called B lymphocytes, which basically are the ones that prevent you from like suffering all over again this, this same disease at least the same variant when it comes to to COVID so uh, I will just explain everything with COVID-19 but I have to say like this this paper or this model that we have developed basically applies to any disease that happens concomitantly with uh, with measles and uh, so the problem okay. with measles is that okay, you have like this particular disease, let's say COVID, and you have went through it or you got vaccinated and you get your memory cells and you now have antibodies, which are just like proteins that are able to recognize uh, the COVID and you are ready to fight it uh, whenever, like if you are so unlucky as to catch it again, right? The problem with missiles is that basically researchers have recently found that it's able to kill your memory cells. So it's able to delete all your like ability to generate an immune response to previous infections. So for example, say you get vaccinated by COVID or you already passed COVID and you have your uh, memory cells and then you get measles. Well, you can actually lose up to 70% of the antibodies that you created for COVID just because you weren't vaccinated uh, for measles and you went through it and measles killed basically most of your immune system. So that's the real like danger of this disease. It basically gives you exposure to a tons of diseases, even if you were previously vaccinated to them. So that's fascinating, immune amnesia. Mm -hmm. And something I read from, I learned from your paper, mm -hmm. um, death is often caught death from measles or in the aftermath of a measles infection is often caused by a secondary infection because yes. of immune amnesia. So that's, that's still true. Yes. Yes, absolutely. I mean, this is actually been known for almost like a hundred years that measles like would actually lead to a significant immunosuppression. Uh, but the point is that it's, it is now that we are starting to understand how this immunosuppression takes place. So actually, just to give you an example, 
the researchers from University of Harvard have analyzed uh, potential effects of immune admission in children in more than 46 countries in Africa. And they have actually shown that measles uh, vaccination was associated with a reduction in mortality, not, other, not only from measles itself, but also from other diseases such as malaria, meningitis, tuberculosis, and so on. So yeah, like that's totally true nowadays. Interesting. Too. So the it doesn't matter what type of disease it is. It's just acro across the, right now they're saying it's across the board. Yes. Um, okay. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I mean, it has to be like uh, some sort of the of disease in which basically uh, what, because what measles affects is this like lymphocytes, these memory cells that gives you sort of like a, natural defense once you have undergone this disease so for example if you have actually never been exposed to to i don't know through a vaccine or either to the particular disease you're not really going to see like that much the, the difference because you never had this uh antibodies uh, in the first place okay that makes sense mm. and what's what's interesting too is um you know the increase in outbreaks um in recent years, the increase in mm -hmm. measles outbreaks, um, and people, you know, when they they say when they tell you, "Oh, get vaccinated for measles because you don't want complications from measles," uh, this this to me is such a. I, I mean, I wouldn't want this at all. You know, like it just <laughs> sounds like terrifying. Or like if you get vaccinated, right? Like you get vaccinated for other stuff, and then all of a sudden, uh, measles comes in and wipes that all out. Um, that's uh, it's. You know, I'm just surprised we don't hear about it more in terms of telling people why they should get the measles vaccine. But yeah, it's it's all pretty. I mean, I must say it's all pretty recent. So actually, there are not that many studies. Uh, I mean, right now showing the effects of this immune amnesia uh, in other like epidemics, for, for example, happening like together with uh, with COVID-19, I think there is only one study that was done in Samoa and it was like partially computational too. So actually we're like looking into this kind of things right now, but yeah, it's it's really scary because the problem is that, I mean, right now, uh, most developing countries have a very like sort of a strict vaccination problem for measles and it's technically not a huge problem, although it has been on the rise also due to anti-vaccine movements and this kind of things. But in developing countries like, uh, for example, COVID-19 has hit very hard the vaccination programs that they have there for, for measles and other diseases. Mm, so now, yeah, I'm, I think in the recent years, on these next years, uh, we might really like expect like some, some cross, uh, cross effects between this uh, diseases, not only with COVID-19, but also with other endemic diseases on these countries. Like it's, it's something we should really like take into account. Uh, <laughs> should, we should really yeah. like be aware of. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Create that awareness. Um, mm. because I, I feel I just, you know, a lot of people just don't, don't know about it, but that is such a great point you made how there's going to be there. Are, and I think they might see, they're seeing that here too, in the U S just, um, a lag in, childhood mm. vaccinations, vaccines that have been around, you know, a while and have a much longer safety profile. I also think that some of the hesitancy around the COVID-19 vaccine, just because they're newer, um, mm -hmm. 
I wonder, it's just my theory, my hypothesis, I, I kind of think that that's going to create some hesitancy around other vaccines. Um, just yeah, because we're talking, <laughs> I don't know. I guess we're just talking about it so much and um, right. Like no one ever, we've never talked about vaccine, vaccine development this much. Um, and I, mm. I started some, in some conversations I've noticed people, they'll be like, well, what about this vaccine then? If, you know, we're not sure about this one. And I'm like, oh no, like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no panic, panic. Yeah. Yes, like. <laughs> like Pandora's box, like, you know, all of a sudden we're like questioning everything. Mm. And, and when you don't, and when you're not act- actively dealing with measles, you know, you're like, it, it feels okay to question stuff like that. Um, mm, yeah. Um, anyways, so you created a model. And like I said, I fully admit to not understanding everything. When I read it, I, read it, I was like, yeah, I'm not, I don't get that. I'm going to read it four times. I'm still not going to get it. So I'm going to let him explain. But um, the, the gist of it basically is introducing measles into uh, a concomitant, uh, an epidemic, another viral epidemic that's going on at the same time. So for mm-hmm. example, measles and COVID-19. Yeah. So, Okay, something like that. And and yeah. so how how did you build this model and what were some of the assumptions you made? Okay, yeah. So no, pretty pretty well explained actually. <laughs> so the idea basically is that we're gonna model uh, a population, okay? So each individual, I mean, we model everything in, in the computer. We are physicists, so we don't really deal with uh, <laughs> proper interactions with people. <laughs> so basically we just like model our population in your computer <laughs> and basically every person in that population is connected to to other people uh, with a, some sort of like network structure right so people that are more popular will have more links and then it will spread a disease faster than people that has less links because they have less friends for example so now the idea is that in this model of people connecting with each other every person can be in three different states you can either be susceptible of, of getting the disease. So basically you haven't been vaccinated and you can be infected by this disease. So you're infectious and you can pass the, the disease to, to the people you are connected to in the network. And then you can be recovered, which, is, which means like either you have uh, passed the disease or you have been vaccinated in the sense that you are immune. You cannot okay. get it. Okay. So this is, so, sort of, I'm, I'm, I'm starting to mm-hmm. understand this now in terms of mm-hmm. like coming up with a herd immunity picture. Yes, exactly. So okay. our point was, because I mean, when, when this thing of immune amnesia came up uh, in 2015 and then in 2019, a very like important paper in science also, uh, my advisor told me like, hey, actually I was, I was working in a neural systems, something totally different. And he was like, hey, why don't we build like a simple mathematical model to understand what happens not at an individual level so okay what happens to the antibodies of this particular person when he gets missiles but a population level so for example say that in an ideal world in which 90 percent of the population has vaccinated from covid uh, and covid is not uh, a problem any longer mm-hmm. now suddenly you have an outbreak of missiles and people start to lose their immunity that they got through the vaccination. Is it possible that COVID might rise again 
because we have lost this herd immunity that we were talking about due to immune amnesia. So that was our, our question, sort of our hypothesis, right? Okay. So the, our motivation to, to create this model. So now what we do is, okay, we put all these like people together in, the, in our network and then we put like some people are infected by measles and some people are infected by, by COVID. And the special ingredient is that when you get, imagine you are recovered from COVID or either you are like vaccinated from COVID, if you get measles, you are gonna get back from recovered to susceptible and you might get COVID again. So that's the, that's the whole point of the immune amnesia, right? And I mean, yes, we made like tons of uh, <laughs> assumptions and simplifications because uh, I mean, we are, we are physicists. We, for us, uh, uh, a koi is, uh, is just a ball. The physicists and... are cool people. Come on now, you guys are really smart. <laughs> like, yeah. You're like making yourself sound like people have no friends and make models all day long. Um, <laughs> no, no, not at all. But the thing is, we, we like to get the gist of things, right? We right, like right. to, if, if you want to understand something from a mathematical perspective, you need to, to simplify things. So for example, in our model, we are not uh, really like taking care of the age of the people or whether, uh, right. I don't know, like for example, uh, the time at, we, at which like most uh, infections take place, which would be like at the school time because measles is transmitted mostly by kids and things like that. Mm, right. We just want to get like an overall like picture to right. see we, if we can do like some predictions with it. Okay. Um, okay. So yeah, it's it's simplified, but at the same time, I think it really captures the essence of immune amnesia. So were you assuming, was one of the assumptions that everybody who gets measles will get immune amnesia? Yes. I mean, we actually did two models, one in which you would basically lose all your immunity to the, to say COVID if you get measles and another one in which like you have like a certain probability of actually uh, losing ah. your immunity or not. So we, we actually like tried these two scenarios. Um, I mean, the qualitative picture is similar. It only changes the numbers. So of course, if okay. uh, you have only certain probability of losing your, immun your immunity, the, the outcome is not so like bad, <laughs> so to speak. The, the outbreaks are not gonna be as big as right. with a full loss. Okay, okay, that makes mm. sense. Mm. And and there's no perfect model, right? Like there's, you're not gonna, everybody's like always critiques models or looks for like the limitations of a study, but you're not going to have like the perfect model. It's just in, impossible. Yeah, no, it's impossible, exactly. It's just too many variables that you would have to take into account. Like even if you wanted to do a perfect model, you you would have to, to model even like the temperature, right? Because we know that also depending on the temperature of the different places, COVID transmits with more right. <laughs> easiness or, or more difficulty. Right. Like it's, it's just too many things. Right, right. And then mm. even like, um, I actually had recently had a, a, a researcher from Israel um, and he built a model where you can predict your chance, your personal chance of being hospitalized or dying from COVID-19. And mm -hmm. there, you know, there were so many things there too. I was like, well, what about waning vaccine efficiency? What about the new variants? Like, what mm -hmm. if this person has a booster, that person doesn't, um, <laughs> if you're outdoors, indoors, what kind of masks do you have on? Yeah. There's lots of stuff, but, yes. but you still can get a big picture idea. Yes. Yes. At least like, I mean, our, our point in the end is, is okay, let's try 
to to understand like what is going on, for example, at the population level. Uh, let's try to make like some some predictions or at least some uh, yeah give give maybe like some results. And for example, one could wonder, okay, if this might happen, we might lose her immunity due to the the outbreaks of missiles. Like, what is the the amount of people that we need to to vaccinate from measles in order to avoid this. Mm. So, for example, this this kind of like more quantitative questions, you can sometimes answer them with like uh, simple models. Okay, okay, that makes sense. So given Mm. these different types of scenarios and assumptions that you guys made, Mm -hmm. what were were some of the key things that your model showed? Yeah, so, I mean, the first most important thing is that our hypothesis was was actually like proven within our model so basically you might have a population like almost fully vaccinated of a certain disease say covid like you have 90 percent coverage of uh, vaccine coverage for covid but then if you like keep having outbreaks of measles within that population, maybe because you weren't vaccinated enough, because, because people were in lockdown or, or just because like anti-vaccine movements like, avoided people from getting vaccinated or whatever, then you might lose this herd immunity for COVID that you, you just reached. Mm. And you might have like, and suddenly that you have like uh, endemic uh, diseases. So that's one thing. And the other important thing is that we, depending on the levels of vaccination on on COVID and on measles, you may have a population in in three different like states. You may have a state in which basically everything everything is fine. We call it sort of like a silent state, like no epidemics of of COVID-19 because you have reached enough vaccination, no epidemics of measles because you are also taking care of that and everything is fine. You can have the opposite scenario in which you have an endemic state of of COVID, which is pretty much what we are kind of uh, arriving at right now because we never reach the, the herd immunity level. Uh, for for vaccination of COVID. And then you might have a third scenario that it's totally new in which even if you have enough people vaccinated of of COVID because of these immune amnesia effects and outbreaks of measles, COVID might still be an endemic disease within a population just because you are always sort of taking people that were recovered or resistant and putting them back into susceptible. So it's sort of like a loop, sort of a cycle. And this like renews all the time. And and then both diseases are just like endemic on the population. This is like a very (laughs) dangerous scenario too. Um, No, that's really interesting. It's just, it's like advancing a level and then being put back to- Yeah, (laughs) exactly. That's the problem. You're spending a lot of resources and then it didn't work because like measles just like wipe everything (laughs) out. Is this, um, and I don't know if there's an, what the literature is on this, because um, mm-hmm. I, I want to read up more just on this idea of immune amnesia. Is there, does it last? I mean, once once it wipes out that memory, is that, per, I guess that's permanent? Or is there, does the body recover it? Is there, you yeah. know? Uh, I mean, the last studies suggest that, I mean, it's not permanent, it's a transient immunosuppression, but it can last up to two years. 
So oh, in, wow. Yeah. In, in one, two years, like, and especially in kids, like in, for kids to get back their, their levels of like uh, antibodies and lymphocytes, it can, it can pass like, like several couple of years. And at that age, you are like really susceptible to it. So it's, it's a, it's a huge problem, like, especially in, in, in developing countries where vaccination policies are, are, yeah, more unstable, let's say. Uh, yeah, it's 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 a problem. Even if it's transient, it's time enough to to actually like <laughs> uh, right make it. Yeah, difference. I mean, well, two years. Yeah, you're so right about that. It's a long time, especially um, at that age. If you know, or mm. even if you're already immunocompromised, um, yeah. uh, and in the developing world. Yeah. Wow. Now, did your model show you anything that what was unexpected? Mm. or that surprised you guys so i mean first first thing that we were surprised is that i mean we were able to de derive and this is the the non really understandable part of of the paper if you're not really into like math and, and physics <laughs> yeah i definitely that, didn't understand it i was like no <laughs> is that, exactly we were able to develop sort of like a mathematical expression that will tell you what is the percentage of people that you need to vaccinate of measles in order to avoid this from happening? And this, like, this expression depends, of course, on the infectivity of the disease you are considering. It depends on the amount of people that are vaccinated of that particular disease. Uh, depends on uh, the type of connection in the network. So depending on several things that are important, and we also studied, for example, like how the network structure like also affects the evolution of the two of the two pandemics. And so like a, a couple of interesting things came out in, in that way, but more for now, I would say like the ability of actually coming up with a with an analytical expression that tells you, oh, okay. If you tell me this, 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 and this, I can tell you like exactly within our assumptions, what it's the percentage of people that should be vaccinated if you want to avoid this. Wow, well, that's really helpful, I think, to have an equation that does that, um, <laughs> <laughs> which is kind of the perfect lead into um, my last question here. What are some of the take-home points, the, the key messages, uh, practical implications of your work? Well, First thing is that we should really not relax our vaccination policies and measles, uh, even if we are in the middle of the pandemonium right now and on a crisis with lockdowns and everything, because we might pay the price on, on like a couple of years. <laughs> uh, also that um, we have to actually keep on researching and try to find out from more experimental like uh, perspective, what are the effects of this immune amnesia? Actually, if there are any effects already that can be seen in, for example, with together with COVID, how, how does this affect? So try to, to take like, I don't know, control experiments to see, to see these effects. And also like it gives you, a, I mean, there, it's not that there are already, <laughs> there are not already like enough uh, motivation for for vaccinating like your your kids or whatever but it, it gives another reason to just like really support vaccination policies in general because uh, 
anti-vaccine movements can can really like harm a lot uh, in general, like public health. Not only because you are you're just like getting exposed to a particular disease, but because if you get exposed to missiles, you can just like destroy herd immunity of the whole population for like many like several diseases. It's, we are talking about like uh, something I think quite quite um, harmful at a at a society level. So I think it's very important to to actually convince people and society that vaccination is one of the best things that we have in, in, in modern days from a public health perspective and to, to, to let them understand that it's necessary. It's yeah. and, and not much of just like, you know, a choice, like, okay, I, I, I'm going to dress with green or red. No, it's, it's not like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, I, um, I hear it's interesting. Um, Cause I do, I do talk to a lot of people about um, the COVID vaccine, but I've, I've done, some public health work with, um, immunization efforts. And, uh, I always feel like we should try to have conversations with people who, who have concerns and, um, uh, you know, or fears. Um, sometimes I tell people, well, you're, you're thinking all these really, really horrible things about this vaccine, but mm. let's talk about what can happen if you get the disease. Cause sometimes you can't relate to that when you don't yeah. have it, or, um, you, ne- you don't think of, historical benefits of vaccines because the disease is no longer able to you know do damage like uh in the case of smallpox right (laughs) you just yeah you're totally right it's it's easy to lose sort of perspective when you are just on the middle of like something and and you're scared about the thing you're you're getting vaccinated with but (laughs) yes yeah and that's why i always say like try to um sit down and have those conversations with people don't insult um Mm -hmm try to get, you know, on the same, and you can do that. I, it's like a bell-shaped curve. Some people you can have a conversation with and with any topic really. And then other people um, will just hate you and, <laughs> you know, call you names. I but um, I, you know, everybody at the end of the day is, is on the same team essentially, um, or maybe not everybody, but yeah. <laughs> hopefully more people. <laughs> the altruistic people. I don't know. Um, but yeah, that's that's a really good point about um, this. Was really interesting to me. This this <laughs> this is so cool. This immune immune that a virus could actually do that is just mm. incredible. Um, yeah. yeah, viruses, un- yeah. unbelievable. Are <laughs> it's you, scary. It's you know it is scary too. I'm not like <laughs> like sound, I sounded too excited about that, didn't I? No, um, <laughs> it's scary. It's like scary could be a good movie plot. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> you can go from a I mean, model yeah. to the movie. Reality is always better than the, the movies, right? Oh my gosh. Even worse there, yeah. I hear that. Now, last, okay, that was my, this is my last question. Are you guys doing any more research on this or any more work in this area or something similar? Uh, right now, not really. Like right now, I'm, I'm since I arrived here in New York, I'm focusing more on like neural networks and, and this kind of, uh, of things. But actually, like we would, I mean, what particularly would love if, like, for example, some experimental results or some new results came up, and uh, trying to to study this this kind of things or try to prove this in a in an actual like population or 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 a country and see if our model is able to to actually predict or or explain the the data that is observed. That would be very interesting. 
Hmm. You could probably do. I mean, yeah, yeah, you could probably find some of that data. Um, yeah, that, like yeah. maybe, maybe, maybe. I still have two years of, of PhD ahead, so who knows? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, Guillermo, thank you so much for your time today. And um, I, it's so funny when I first reached out to you, I didn't realize you were in New York, but yeah. welcome to New York. Thank um, you. How long have you been here now? Uh, since end of October, so it's already. Oh, so you've been here a while. Yeah, yeah. Do you do you I like kind New of York? know the city? Yeah, yeah, very nice. Yeah. Can't say that I like the weather, but aside <laughs> from that, it's 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 amazing. Like it yeah, it's place. cold now. It gets better though. <laughs> it gets better in the spring. I wish. <laughs> no, it does. <laughs> I promise you, it does. Um, okay. That this was great, and I really do look forward to sharing this with my listeners. And yeah, keep in touch. Come back on causes or cures anytime. Um, Thank you. Thank yeah. you for reaching out. Absolutely. And enjoy the rest of your day there. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. All right, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Uh, special thank you to Guillermo for coming on and sharing his expertise with us. That was really interesting. I told you it would make a good uh, movie plot or book plot. Maybe someone out there will write it. Maybe I will. No, probably not. I am working on another one, though. Um, I wanted to tell you guys I have written a lot more in my blog at bloomingwellness.com. I analyzed some recent data that the CDC released on the COVID vaccines and infections and transmission. You could read that one. Um, I wrote a piece called Misinformation, or is it a misinformation problem or a trust problem? You could read that. Um, Then I included, I updated the medical trivia section where I talk about you know, for example, a time in history when Sears, the Sears catalog, sold heroin. Yeah, imagine that. You could, you At one point in time, we could order heroin from a catalog. And then I also did something about the history of the Mr. Yuck sticker. Did that really work, the Mr. Yuck sticker? <laughs> um, I remember the Mr. Yuck sticker. He was like on everything, although I was a kid who drank bleach anyways. And then my mother gave me something that made me vomit and I was fine. And she yelled at me for being a dumbass. There we are. All right, guys, take care, tune in. Oh, and also if, you know, sometimes people ask me, oh, did you write a new blog? Did you write, or did you post a new podcast? Uh, The best way to follow that is to just to subscribe to my newsletter, um, which you can do through my website. So I'm, I'm not really posting as much on I mean, I just share things on social media, but I'm not into, like, I don't really want to share my opinion on things on Twitter anymore. It just feels like, feels like, you know, sharing your opinion on Twitter is like your job. Like, that's when I read other people who do it, I'm like, is this their job? Because then you get sucked into arguments, right? And then you're like, okay, I don't have time to do anything else, like fold my clothes or, you know, my dog wants to go for a walk, but I'm here refreshing my page to see what negative comments I got and how I will, how I'll respond. It just feels like such a thief of time. So for this year, I'm just, and I don't think it's a good platform to engage anyway. So I'm just kind of avoiding that. Um, and really kind of just, it's my goal anyways. I don't know. (laughs) Who knows? I'm Irish, you know, something could set me off and I'm there like hammering away at my keyboard, but I think I'm just trying to get away from that medium because I don't think it's a good way to interact with people, um, especially about you know ideas that are controversial because things get lost in translation, things get cherry picked out, and 
you know, like, I mean, I played soccer. Nobody likes the cherry picker. Like, it's okay to cherry pick every now and then. You know, I'm talking about the person who stands in front of the goal and just, like, sticks their foot out here and there but doesn't really do all the work, doesn't understand how complicated it was to get the ball there. There's a bigger story, but they're there, and then they just, like, you know, tap it in with their foot. Um, there's, like, all that cherry picking and reductionism that happens online. So I've just been trying to and, – and it's not productive to me for me. For me so I'm just trying to like make Twitter more of just sort of like a fun innocuous place um, same thing with Facebook although we do have discussions in my Facebook group and so far no one has fought with each other uh, I really and I will boot people who are disrespectful racist or sexist I don't tolerate that um, but if we do have differing opinions so far the discussion has been okay I, I, I do the best I can it's 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 hard to manage all these people online, but you can find that group on Facebook too. Um, I think it's called the Blooming Wellness Pod. Um, but yeah, if you're a jerk, if you're, you know, sexist, racist, all that, we, I do kick you out. Like, there's no reason for that. There's no, there's never any reason for that stuff. Um, all right, guys. So that's it. Again, thanks for tuning in, um, and thanks for putting up with my babbling. I, I obviously don't have a script for my intro or my conclusion um, probably picked up on that. <laughs> I'm going to go for a run now. Uh, and while I run, I will also work out my imagination. I always do. It's my lifeboat. All right, guys. Talk soon. Bye.